0: Thank you for listening. My name is James Schofield. I am the host of the James Schofield Ministries podcast. We're going to be discussing on the show um, something that can be very emotional for some people. Um, we're going to be discussing uh, sexual violence. So if that's something that um, you feel you wouldn't be able to uh, listen to, I want to ask you right now, um, please, please, uh, Just hit that stop button. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. We have a guest on the show by the name of Jessica Sturm. She was a participant in the Every Two Minutes documentary from uh, MSU students. And she was a former MSU sexual assault crisis intervention vice president. And she's someone who came from Christianity to agnosticism. And back to it again. So we're going to be talking to her a little bit about that. So uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, Jessica.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So kind of to start out, uh, we'll just start right at the beginning. And uh, we'll talk about your upgra- uh, upbringing. And we're going to go straight to, uh, you know, why Christianity in the beginning? Um, you know, what kind of church did you attend? What denomination would you say you were? And uh, just a general knowledge of your faith.
1: Okay. Um... I mean, I wasn't raised in a religious household by any means, Um, but when I was in sixth grade, I was uh, friends with this girl, and she invited me to go to youth group at her Baptist church. Um, So I started doing that, and I really enjoyed it. Like, I loved all the songs and the dancing, and, you know, kids' church is fun. (laughs) Um, They had me go to uh, camp uh, that year, and that's the year that I was saved. Um, so, that was the start of it. Um, unfortunately, that didn't last very long, though, because, uh, the, girl that I was friends with her mom oh wait no she told her mom that I did something I can't even remember all the details it was so long ago her mom she told her mom that I did something that I didn't do her she actually did it and her mom got my mom involved and her mom was like all right Jessica like bye like you can't be around my daughter anymore and I was like oh that's wonderful And she was a pretty influential person in the church. And, um, you know, without them, I didn't really have... I didn't feel like a a way to go or a desire to go because I didn't want to be at a place where, you know, I wasn't wanted. Okay.
0: So, you were kind of going to a... uh, you, You said a Baptist church? Yes. Okay. And you know, you stopped going just because you kind of didn't feel, um, that that's where they want, you know, they didn't want you to be there. Um, would, would you say though that, that prompted you to walk away from Christianity?
1: Um, not really, you know, I still believed in God and we still had like conversations and everything. So, you know, I just figured that that wasn't the church for me clearly <laughs> you know she also got rid of um the youth pastor there too so i was just like the, the entire church was something completely different um but seeing as that was my only religious friend i didn't really have any other churches to go and to and i was too young to like to pick one so i just didn't go to church okay
0: so what about your parents would you say that uh, they just weren't practicing, or they, just, they didn't personally believe?
1: They don't believe.
0: Okay. So this was pretty much a journey that you were just taking on your own. Yes. And it was something that you had with your friend. And um, you said, so through that, you be you became a believer. Um, it's just that that particular church just didn't work out for you. And you um, would you say that you were able to find a church at all during that time?
1: No. I didn't go to church again until 2011.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, well... Not necessarily going to church uh, obviously isn't the defining moment of making you a believer. So you still believed, but you weren't processing a church. But then you have told me in the past that uh, you became more of an agnostic. So um, for listeners who don't realize what agnostic is, uh, there, there's several different definitions around it. So um, some people just say that it's strictly that I know that there is a God. I just don't know what the God is. Some people think that it's just a higher power in general, and they're not sure Um or some people are even getting to the point where I don't think that there is a higher power, but I can't say for sure yet, so they don't want to go full-blown atheist. So you said you went agnostic, um, which most Christians are going to say that that would be like a walk away from Christianity, I guess. Um, so what would you say was your, uh, the the defining moment or the events that led up to that walk away?
1: Um, It was a... Ser-
0: it's okay. Take your time.
1: I mean, there was... There was a bunch of bad stuff. That just happened, like, one after another. Um, so I was at Michigan State. And, um... Uh, my friend that I was living with, um, her, her boyfriend made a pass at me, and I turned him down. Um, but the next day, he, in order to cover his himself, told her that um, you know, I made a pass at him, and she believed him. So they went on my Facebook page and tagged a lot of really mean things about me. You know, calling me a whore. And all sorts of stuff like that. And I was uh, towards the end of the semester, so... Rather than stay at MSU, because it was halfway through the school year, I just left. And I went home. Um... While I was at home, I, uh, made... You know, I rekindled old friendships there. And... I ended up going to a party. Um, And uh, while there, I was raped by three people in the backyard. And uh, I don't know. That that event itself wasn't enough, you know, to make me stop believing in God. I just, you know, I. At the time didn't really fully accept what had happened, so it was easy to just continue living. Um and then uh those those friends also abandoned me because one of them, uh one of one of my friends, her sister, lied and said that I gave her alcohol and made her drunk. So her parents started to take me to court and all sorts of other stuff. So I was like, well. <laughs> Not wanted to hear either. So I went back to state to um, you know, meet new people and everything. And that ended up fine. I made a lot of new friends and I got a new boyfriend and it was it was great. Um, unfortunately, second semester at MSU. I got together with um, some old friends of mine from my first year at State and um, one of them spent the night and he raped me and that was the moment because you know I'm fine I mean not fine but I could handle strangers But I can't handle someone I trust. And actually, he was religious, too. So, you know, someone who follows God is capable of doing something like that. I don't know, it was terrible. And what was worse is that it hurt everybody around me like my boyfriend had to go to therapy um my dad like lost it <laughs> and watching all those people get hurt obviously hurt me so I don't know I just felt really alone
0: Would you say that, um, obviously it's it, it's a hard thing to kind of bring back up, but would you say that the fact that you knew that he was a believer helped contribute to kind of your thoughts that there might not be something out there or that what you were believing, not necessarily that there wasn't something out there, but the actual, for lack of a better term, person um, or, or power that you were believing in wasn't the one that was right?
1: I mean, yeah. Um, I don't know, it's supposed to be that people who are religious, you know, uh, follow God, they're supposed to have, you know, like, rules, you know, like, you're not supposed to hurt somebody like that, and, you know, he did, so, that was the start of me thinking, like, oh, like, religious people really aren't great, <laughs> So I, you know, I had that friend and her mom first, you know, started to with me and then this guy and I don't know, I just, I didn't have any good experiences to draw from with people who were religious.
0: Right. So you weren't raised in it, obviously. So this was completely on your own as well. And um, from, yeah, exactly. So from your experience, you didn't really have like a positive I guess religious role model to kind of look to you know you would have those moments like you were saying like at first the church was okay and then you would run into the issues and then you meet somebody else who's religious and then he you know does this awful thing to you um, but uh, you had told me though that that kind of wasn't the end I guess of of your journey there um, or I guess your walk with God during that time you said that you had uh, attempted almost in a way to, to save it right?
1: Yes. Um, I still didn't want to give up. <laughs> um, so I was going to group therapy and one of the girls there was also religious. Um, and she invited me to go to her church with her and it was a Catholic church. And I was like, yeah, sure. Cause I'd been wait, you know, part of me had to wanted to go back to church because I was still holding on to the good memories um from when I was younger so I was like yeah like we'll give it a try <laughs> and that was awful <laughs> you know I have I have nothing against you know, people who are catholic or the catholic church or whatever and well I have I have some things against them but you know if 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 going to a Catholic church is what assists you in your journey with God, that's fine. Power to you. But it it really was not for me. Um, I got there and you know, it's not like they have a screen up that says, stand up, sit down, kneel, mumble these words, uh, you know, pat someone on the back next to you or whatever. <laughs> and these people just it was like a hive mind. They all knew what to do, they all knew what to say. It didn't feel like worship to me. It felt like something that had been rehearsed. It didn't feel real. Um, And (laughs) no one there helped me. You know, I went to go get my bread, and the guy just stood there and wouldn't even hand it to me, because I didn't know what to say to him. So I just stood there with my hands outreached, and he just stared at me. And I'm like, I didn't... I wasn't raised Catholic. You know, I haven't gone to the Catholic schooling. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. So I just said, peace be with you. And I was like, I hope that's right. And he handed me the bread. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, I unlocked the magic words all on my own. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so after that, I I don't know. They did the classic, like, oh, everybody turn and, you know, meet someone new. Shake hands. And uh, at that point... You know, those people were all smiling at me and touching me. And first off, I really hate being being touched. Um, Not so much anymore, but at that time, obviously, I really hated it. Uh, So they're just violating my space. And um, based on all my, my previous experience with religious people, those smiles were so fake to me even if they were genuine, which I'm I'm sure they were because they they were probably nice people. I don't know. But after like seeing what I interpreted as like, almost, almost like cult like, (laughs) I apologize if that's offensive, but it did feel really cult like to me because uh, I didn't grow up with it. So after seeing all that cult like behavior, uh, I don't know. It the hand shaking and the smiling at me just was was it real? They didn't ask my name or how I was doing. They just you know shook my hand and walked away.
0: Right. So so you would say that that experience was almost I, I guess in a way like a nail in the coffin in a way where it's like you know what you know that this is the time to walk away from it. So um, kind of backtracking too where where you're trying to figure this out where basically I guess every time you're getting towards this this God that you're starting to get to know, um, something happens to hurt you. Whether it's something small, just, you know, such as, I guess not small, but small compared to the other things where, you know, you have disagreements with with the church, um, people in the church, or obviously the tragedy that happened to you. Um, I I guess the question is, um, it kind of made me think of uh, 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 the story of Job in the Bible, and um, it's in uh, verse... uh, chapter 7 verse 20 where he he actually asked God flat out if I have sinned what have I done to you watcher of humanity why have you made me your target so that I have become a burden to you is is, would you say that when all these things were happening to you that's kind of a question that might come to your mind is like why is it happening to me yeah (laughs) I mean did, did you ever feel during that time that you happened to have a response back from him
1: um no, felt abandoned. You know, and I would, s- I still tried, but it's hard to keep trying when it- everything's just bad.
0: Yeah, you didn't feel like you were getting any sort of answer.
1: Yeah, every every time I would try, I would just encounter somebody else who sucked, (laughs) to be frank.
0: Right. (laughs) So, what what did eventually? Because obviously, um, you and I, uh, you know, we both attend church now, and um, I actually had the pleasure of being able to baptize you. And so, what would you say eventually led you back to the church and back to Christianity?
1: Um baby Grace. Yeah. Yeah. So, um you know, we started going to that church and uh you know, the very first talk was about um what was it?
0: <laughs> I was it was uh the How to Neighbor series that they were doing.
1: No, well, it, it was something, it was something along the lines of, like, is what you're doing right now, um, are you living your best life, basically?
0: Oh, right. That, they, it was they, that they, one. Yeah, it was the three Ps, I think. They were doing, like, Purpose, um, I can't remember all of them, but pur- Purpose, I think, was the one that we were, that we were learning yes,
1: about. Yes, yes, we were there at Purpose. Right. And, um, I don't know, you know, we were having a hard time, I had a terrible job and we go to this thing and he's like oh are you living your best life and you know are you were living your life for purpose and all this stuff and i was just like uh no like <laughs> so you know i i went home and uh, we re-enrolled me in a, at msu so i could finish my degree i quit my job i got a new one i was like i was like here we go like we're going to we're going to try this again um and i would keep going that i mean that's that that talk that day is the reason why I was able to keep going back but honestly even going there was really hard um because and I I know that these people are good people but I would still see the the fake smiles and um The well-meaning handshakes that didn't feel real. And, uh, you know, after every time we went, I would actually get in the car and cry every time we left. And um, I was so closed off that nobody really spoke to me. They just all spoke to you because you're so charismatic and you just absorbed it so well. Right. And here I am just sitting there on the couch feeling like I don't belong here. You know, like, if these people are genuinely as happy as they portray, then I definitely don't belong here. <laughs> um, but then, maybe grace started to exist. And suddenly, you know, people had something to talk to me about you know because i I, i'm not putting this on them obviously i i wasn't receptive to anything um but with with baby grace they have a reason to talk to me you know and, and something they can relate to me on so there was a way that they could finally open communication with me uh that i was excited to talk about um and, and, you know, obviously, I couldn't really talk to them about religion, which is all that we would have been talking about before. So I didn't... Yeah, but... Once once baby Grace arrived, I was able to um, relate to them. Which made me more open to things. And... What helped, too, honestly, was... Uh, you know, during worship time... Um, I would just stand there because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not participating in this right but um, the um worship leader at the time, Leo, he'd be up there and he was he would just feel it. and it it was so real. So that did something for me too. You know, that's what started to chip away at me. Is it didn't... It was the first religious thing I'd seen that wasn't rehearsed.
0: Right. Having that that raw, kind of, um... Just genuine worship. Uh, you you really didn't feel that before. Right. Okay. Um, so, you know, we kind of came almost full circle. And, um... You know, you, you start off with Christianity exploring it on your own, which... You know, I do have to say that. I mean, that that's a very brave thing to do because, you know, when you're raised, you know, just I, I was raised in the same kind of household where there wasn't really religion. I know it's a hard thing to do. So for you to even explore that was awesome. But to have these things all happen to you and then eventually you do get to the point where you're able to accept him again. Um, if you could look back on everything, you know, knowing that God is there and God was there during that time, what would you say would be God's purpose in letting those events unfold
1: well um, you know what happened changed everything about who I was you know I was really um, selfish and the world revolved around me <laughs> it was very dramatic um, I didn't take responsibility for anything and then um, you know after of what happened and and the programs that I got involved with. You know, I was helping survivors of sexual assault and um, so the world didn't revolve around me. Uh, It revolved around whoever I was speaking to at the time. And a lot of them, you know, people who have watched um, the documentary I was in or, you know, that I spoke with about um, my journey, a lot of them have come forward to like, tell me how m- much it's improved their lives. And um, I, someone even told me that, uh, you know, I helped um, prevent suicide. So clearly there was a reason, you know, not only did oh, everything make me a better person, but... I helped I helped others. Um, and I forgot the rest of the question. <laughs> you
0: no, know, that, that's actually <laughs> that what, what his purpose was okay. for you. So <laughs> kind, of, kind of elaborate on that, actually. I, I, I was remembering you were talking about the, uh, the documentary, and um, you were actually telling a story about that, and I think that kind of almost makes it kind of concrete what his purpose was in letting things unfold. And um, you were talking about a story that you were doing with um, one of the organizations at MSU, Um, I think it was with, with, uh, putting shirts and, you know, different clothing up.
1: The clothesline project.
0: Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, the story that you were talking about in the documentary with, with the guy who had approached you
1: about that. Well, you should just watch the documentary and see. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) um, okay. So, uh, I was at an event for take back the night, which is a, um, organization that, uh, uh, you know, um, protests sexual assault raises awareness educates the community um stuff like that um and one of the things they do is set up the clothesline project which are shirts made by survivors and co-survivors um which is you know somebody who was also affected by the assault of a loved one and um they hang them up in the middle of campus right by the clock tower um so it's 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 like it's in the center campus so in the middle of the school day, uh, so there's tons of people walking by looking at these shirts and I'm um, staffing one of the booths for the sexual assault team and a guy comes up to me and he tells me, or he asks me why I'm there. Um, You know, and I I tell him, um, you know, I'm there. Uh, well, I explain the clothesline projects and everything, and he's like, but you shouldn't be out here. Um, if something like this happens, you should just keep it to yourself and let the police handle it. Like, there's no reason for you to be, like, in everyone's face about it, basically. And I was, you know, I was telling him, I was like, I was like, but the police don't, can't always do anything. And the majority of people who commit these crimes never even see a day of jail. So how was keeping it to myself you know going to change anything and uh you know we went back and forth for a while and he went to the booth next to me and started arguing arguing with her too um and then he eventually walked away um but then he he ended up coming back later and um Oh, and he, no, sorry. He went down several booths. That's what it was. He went to the same nurses. He, he talked to everybody. (laughs) Um, and then he came back and he very quietly, um, told me that he had been assaulted when he was younger. Um, and he didn't feel like anyone would have believed him before, but I told him I did. So that, I would hope, was the start of his journey, you know, accepting what happened. And I, I really hope that he was able to talk to somebody else about that after.
0: So would you say that you would have um, not even just talked to this person, but even bumped into this person had the events that happened to you that one night Had they not had happened.
1: Oh, absolutely not. Um, there were, (laughs) who know, who knows where I'd be right now if that hadn't happened. Um, I don't even, I don't even know. (laughs) I, I, I honestly, as terrible as it was, like, I honestly believe I don't, I wouldn't be in such a good place now, you know? And obviously, I wouldn't undo it you know because if I truly did help people along my journey I would never give that up
0: yeah so yeah looking back on it we would say you know God's purpose in, in these events happening was really it's it's almost I guess not, not, not to say that you being the way that you were where you were saying you were, it was kind of all about you you know and you um, didn't take accountability for things. Um, not to say that that's similar to addiction, but, you know, they have that saying where, like, with addiction, you can't help anybody until they've hit rock bottom. Yeah. There has to be that rock bottom. Would, so would you say that that was almost, in a way, God that happened happen is almost like his way of allowing that rock bottom to happen for you so that way you could pick yourself back up?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Okay. Uh, so then if, if, if you could... Um, you know, give insight to someone else who who might be wrestling with faith due to not necessarily a tragedy similar to yours, but a, a tragedy in general. Um, what what kind of insight would you give to them if they're wrestling with that faith?
1: I would just say, take your time. You know, it's. I don't. I I'm never gonna be the type of person to you know, tell somebody going through that that, you know, God has a reason for everything. It's, that's not something that you want to hear. Um, so honestly, all I would tell them is, whatever they're feeling, that's okay. If you're angry, hurt, you feel betrayed, feel those things. Don't Force yourself to forgive God because you feel like you have to or somebody's telling you to. You need to come to that on your own. And don't force it.
0: Yeah, so kind of of bringing up that point then, you know, we always as Christians are talking about God forgiving us. And you actually just mentioned forgiving God. For having something happen um, and I think that that's kind of a big deal because there are times and yeah that you do blame God for things that happen um, would you say that at this point that that you've um, forgiven God for everything that's happened to you yes and um, so kind of looking at everything and, and, and seeing where you've come you said You know, after everything that happened, you know, you you started helping other people, you know, who were going through different things, kind of similar to what you were going through. And then eventually you were saying that no matter how bad it got, you eventually got to the point where, you know, you found a new job. You did graduate. You've now found a community, you know, with God. Um, You have a baby on the way. I mean, you know, you have all these things. Would you say that in a way that's almost God restoring the things that you might have had before you got brought down?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't know if it's restoring because um, some of these things I feel like I never would have had.
0: So it gave you even more than what you had. Yeah. Okay. And that kind of brings it right to... Um, you know, cause kind of when we were first talking about doing this story, as I, I did start thinking about, um, you know, kind of a character in the Bible that, that kind of went with. And I, I, did mention, uh, Job kind of questioning, you know, why God was doing all this and, and, um, in, in the book of Job, uh, in chapter 42, um, verses 10 through 12, that kind of is almost kind of with your story. Um, it says that after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and doubled his previous possessions. All his brothers, sisters, and former acquaintances came to him and dined with him in his house. They sympathized with him and comforted him comforted him concerning all the adversity the Lord had brought on him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold earring. And in the end, at verse 12, he says, so the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life more than the first. He owned 14,000 sheep and goats, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. So that sounds a little bit strange, but it's because Job was, you know, he, he had a farm. <laughs> and, and during the time that Job was being tested, uh, he lost his farm, he lost his children, he, you know, pretty much lost everything. He lost his health, his wealth, his family. And so at the end, it says that not only did God restore what Job had, he restored it doubled. So he restored it twofold. And so, kinda kind of what you were going through, it wasn't just i I would say you know i and and obviously disagree with me if you, if you need to, but um it wasn't just that you were being tested, but yeah like like you said, you wouldn't have had those experiences afterward with helping other people on their journey and even even yourself journey of how you felt before you wouldn't have had those changes if that hadn't happened so. You know, not only would you say um, God was molding you, but he obviously was testing you as well. And even though you questioned him, just as as Job questioned him in the in the in the story, you would say that God still, you know, once you came back, he restored everything, and not only did he restore it, he doubled it. Yeah. So, I, at this, I just I I do want to say. Um, You know, it's an amazing story that you shared, and obviously that's a huge vulnerability, you know, to let others hear of your story. And and it's a lot of courage, too, because obviously, um, personally, you know, as Christians, a lot of times we don't like to show any chinks in our armor. And, And by showing that and sharing your story, I think that that speaks mounds to how far you've come as a person in general. And uh, for everybody who's listening, if they do want to take a look at this documentary that Jessica was talking about, um, it's right on Vimeo. It's vimeo.com slash every two minutes film. That's two spelled out, so T-W-O. So vimeo.com slash every two minutes film. You'll see it. It's it's not long. It's only about a 45-minute documentary. Um, But there's also uh, survivor interviews on there as well. And you can hear more about the story that, that Jessica told us as well as her interview about the events that led up to uh, what we were talking about today. Um, so, Jessica, again, I want to say thank you for for allowing me to record this and, and getting it out to everybody.
1: And Thanks for having me.
0: And, and, and I want to thank everybody for listening. If you do have any comments, feel free uh, to go right on the website, SchofieldMinistries.org. If you hit the podcast link, you can leave comments there. Uh, If you did like what you were hearing, I I do want to invite you to like and subscribe either on Apple Podcasts or you can also listen to us on whatever podcasting service you're listening to now, of course, or we're also on Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, and Anchor. Once again, I'm James Schofield with uh, James Schofield Ministries. We will have another episode next Saturday. Thank you so much for listening.